Investing in your business can be a wonderful way to grow wealth and live the life you want. That's what I'm doing. But investing in someone else's business can be even better. In my opinion, this is the best way to generate true passive income streams. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including the Global Cashflow Kings ETF, ticker symbol CFLO, which lets you invest in 200 companies with high levels of free cash flow, such as Visa and Costco, in one ETF. You can learn more about CFLO and the BetaShares fund range by visiting betashares.com.au. Read the PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to RASC's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. Welcome to episode seven of the Australian Business Podcast, in which I'm talking about choosing a business structure or having a business structure that suits your business. This is a really important episode for anyone who is starting a business or anyone whose business is stuck in salt trader mode and you're looking to expand your business. If you haven't already listened to the previous episodes, go back and do that because some of these concepts will lean into those. And as always, between now and episode 12, we're talking about business foundations, including starting a business and setting yourself up. These episodes apply for new and experienced business operators, but it's particularly geared for those who are thinking of starting a business or those who are kind of in their infancy. That said, I think everyone can learn from these lessons. In Australia, by far, the most popular option for small businesses is sole trader. However, there are many different options depending on your current and future size. So your business could be measured in sales, the number of employees, or your market presence. Or do you want to expand from Melbourne to Sydney to Perth? The legal risk. So from a legal perspective, a company is typically a much better way to protect your personal assets because it can own a business and the assets for you. I'll explain more about that in just a moment. And finally, the ownership structure. A sole trader is typically owned by one person, hence the name sole. But a partnership, which means more than one owner, a company can have unlimited numbers of owners or a trust where you can have beneficiaries of the profits. These can all work depending on your situation, depending on who runs the business and how you want the assets to be held. To illustrate some of these examples, To illustrate some of these principles, I'm going to use some examples. I've got three businesses that I'm going to go through, and then I'm going to talk to you about the structures themselves, because I find that it's actually better to use examples to uh, identify what works for people and what doesn't. I'm going to start with Jenny, the hairdresser. Jenny has a full-time job working at a salon. She currently earns 350 bucks per week, In cash, isn't that naughty, Jenny? All in cash, huh? She's doing her own hairstyling after hours. 
She wants to expand from a few cuts every week to running her own full business from home on Friday and Saturday, where she reckons she can generate $1,000 in sales before taxes and costs. She does not want to employ anyone right now. For Jenny, I think a sole trader structure would do just fine. I would suggest Jenny gets an ABN, builds an Instagram account and a Facebook page. Then she should create a separate bank account to buy her web domain with domain privacy. That's so you don't receive all those spammy emails. And so even if she doesn't build a website, she's still got her business ready to be set up for something that she could turn into something bigger later on. That'll cost her all up a couple of hundred bucks. But given that Jenny's business is pretty low risk, for example, the worst thing that probably could happen is a client comes to her house and gets an allergic reaction to shampoo or trips over and injures themselves. And she doesn't have a plan to employ anyone at this stage and she wants to own the entire business. That's why a sole trader structure will probably be enough for Jenny. Going forward, Jenny would need to issue receipts using her business name with her ABN. And if she wanted a separate business name, like Jenny's Amazing Hairstyles, she should get her own business name registered in ASIC. It's a pretty simple structure for Jenny. Let's now talk about a plumber, Scott. And Scott's on a mission. Scott is a fully qualified plumber who runs his own business. He's typically used a sole trader structure for the last two years. Last year, Scott generated $175,000 in sales revenue. That was before his costs. He owns a $75,000 Ford Ranger on finance through the business, as well as $20,000 of tools and has a pretty popular Instagram page considering the size of his business. He wants to take on two apprentices in the next year and he also wants to buy an excavator so he can do bigger jobs or get into small commercial projects. That's Scott. Let's now talk about his structure. Scott's business is currently low-ish risk but it could get a lot riskier as he grows because he'll be taking on bigger jobs, he will have employees, he will be purchasing assets, and even if he gets an excavator, he'll have things like excavation risk. So where he digs, he might hit a gas main, he might run across mains water, he could make mistakes. There are no hard and fast rules to this type of scenario, but if Scott planned for his business to keep growing to say five or 10 employees, and wanted to own multiple assets, I would highly encourage him to consider a company structure for his business in the next year or two, with him as the sole director of the company. An accountant might even suggest a trust to hold all of his shares. So he would have a trust and a company, and he would be the trustee of the trust and a beneficiary of any of the income. That way he could split his income. For example, if his partner decided to quote unquote join the business, he could split slash send some income from the business across to his partner as a wage who might have a lower tax rate. For example, if Scott was earning $100,000 from his business and his tax rate was say 37%, yet his partner who's just uh, given birth isn't working at the moment, he could send some of that money from the trust across to his partner and that and take advantage of a lower tax rate. There are a few reasons a company structure might help Scott. The first one is that a company has a flat rate of tax, depending on the size between 25 and 30%. Whereas anyone earning more than $200,000 will probably be taxed as high as 47%. So he want to get out of the sole trader structure and into the company structure. 
Second, a company may provide some legal protection for Scott because it might separate things like his car loans, meaning that the company buys the car and not Scott, or protects Scott's personal assets because they're separate from the company, you know, like his home or a boat, in the event that he gets sued by a client or a builder. P.S. Scott, if you're reading or listening to this, please speak to a tax lawyer and your tax agent who can confirm what is the best structure for you. Finally, I want to talk about Gavin and Cassie, the architects. Gavin and Cassie are about to go into business with each other and plan to share 50% of all revenue collected for consulting and design work. They expect to work on three to five big council projects every year. You know, those types of like design the local footy field and the local playground and so on and so forth. They estimate they can generate between four hundred dollars and $600,000 per year in consulting income for the work that they do. They want to share the costs equally. For example, if they have to use architectural software and they use a co-working space, they want to share that, but won't take on any employees because they cannot be bothered with that stuff. It's just those two running this business together. They've wanted to create their own business for a few years, so they've been With the all clear from their current employer, who does not have a non-compete clause, they've been building a portfolio and showcasing their work on Instagram and on their website. They actually de-risk their business by making sure that they have an online presence and a professional profile with these prospective uh, council clients. Plus, they know the rules around professional indemnity insurance and licensing. They did all of that before they left their jobs. So Gavin and Cassie, the two architects, are doing a good thing. Just before I get to the structure that would suit Gavin and Cassie, I want to mention something. Many white collar jobs, so like in legal, accounting, finance, etc., have non-compete clauses in their employment agreements to protect the company that they're working for. Gavin and Cassie in this instance would have read their employment agreement and spoken with a lawyer if they were concerned that there was a non-compete clause. Let's talk about the structure for this business. For this type of business, a partnership structure or a company structure might be the best option. A partnership is created by something called a partnership agreement. And this just sets out the rules for how profits and losses are shared between the partners. It does not provide the same legal protections for business partners as a company would. And it's actually probably worse. For example, Gavin could be personally liable for Cassie's business mistakes and vice versa, because that's what a partnership does. A company structure, however, with two directors and a custom-built shareholder agreement, which they drafted with their lawyer, might be a better option because the consulting income can be billed through the company and then the wages paid to Gavin and Cassie from the company. And then if it's appropriate, at the end of every year, they could pay themselves a cash dividend out of the cash that's left in the company. And that's a way for them to release that cash back to them as employees. I just want to do one final warning here. So those are my three examples. We've got Jenny the hairdresser, Scott the plumber, Gavin and Cassie the architects. You can see that there are quite a few different rules here and factors to consider. So I would highly recommend speaking with a lawyer or tax agent before setting up a business like this. A few thousand dollars for consulting a lawyer or an accountant could pay for itself many times over. I want to give you a real life example. And that example is me. 
I made a huge mistake with my business. I drastically overcomplicated my company structure because I didn't get multiple opinions. I started with my own ABN, three companies, and a discretionary trust. Nowadays, I've unwound a lot of those things. I only have a trust. I have one company and my own ABN for my separate consulting work. It's a lot simpler, but I spent a lot of money overcomplicating things. But the key point is here, and something that I'll emphasize in just a moment, is that you don't have to make the decision straight away. You can work on things over time. So now I'm going to introduce you to the, the company structures and kind of what they mean. And you can think as we go, which one would work for my business or should I upgrade or change to a different business structure now? So sole traders are one-man bands, one-person bands. 63% of Australian businesses are sole traders and they're sometimes called contractors or subcontractors. All you need to be a sole trader is an ABN and a sole, that is you. A sole trader is a simple and easy structure to start and to operate. You simply just invoice your clients And if you do, just put your ABN on there. For example, most Uber drivers and tradies use this structure. Gig economy workers also use this structure. Importantly, there's no legal separation between you and your sole trader business. You own all of the assets and you take on the loans personally. You are responsible for all income and for all losses. Any income that you do earn through the business, it just forms part of your regular income in your tax return. So for example, if you earn say $200,000 in 2023, you'll be taxed at the tax rate at the time. And then every dollar that you earn in your other job will still add to that. Partnerships. Partnerships are just a collection of one person bands. A partnership is formed when two or more people work together on a business. The rules are set out in what's called the partnership agreement. And you, along with your partners, are responsible for the profits and the losses as per the agreement. These are popular structures in accounting firms and law firms. If you've seen the TV series Suits, you know what I'm talking about. They all want to, quote, make partner. But here's the big picture. There is no legal separation between your business and you. And you are responsible for losses or debts incurred by another partner on behalf of the business. So unless there's something in the partnership agreement, you may be responsible for someone else's mistakes. Finally, the income is split according to the partnership agreement, and then you'll be taxed at your marginal tax rate as normal. A trust. A trust is a type of legal structure that is run by a trustee. The trustee can be you, it could be another person, or it could be a company that's controlled by directors. It's run on behalf of beneficiaries. So the trustee runs it and the beneficiaries benefit. And the thing is, a beneficiary could be anyone. It could be you, it could be a business partner, it could be a family member, it could be a company, it could be whoever. Generally, there's a document called a trust deed that is created when a trust is created because that sets out the rules of the trust. Bear with me because I know this is a little bit confusing, but it will make sense in just a minute. There are two primary types of trusts. There is a unit trust. A unit trust just has a number of units. Let's say there are 10 units 
And I'm not talking about houses. I'm just talking about things like 10 little individual units. And let's say you own six of those units. And now someone else has the other four units. If that trust had $10,000 of income, you would get $6,000 because you own six units and the other person would get $4,000. So the units define kind of what who gets what. But then there's something called a discretionary trust. And this is probably the most common, at least in terms of small business. A, a discretionary trust gives you more control because the trustee, which could be you or someone else, decides who receives the income and when. Just think about it this way. A trust simply directs income to beneficiaries. So you can think about it like a pass through, like the money passes through the trust. It simply handballs the income to someone, which could be you. I'll give you an example. My family trust owns shares in our company, the RAS Group. So we have the company that does all the operations and then my trust owns those shares. Why did I choose this structure? Well, let's use an example. If my company, the RAS Group, pays a dividend, let's say it, create, it has some profits and it wants to pay a dividend, that money goes from the company through the trust and then it can be directed to whoever. The trust can pay me those dividends, me as an individual. It could pay it to another trust. It could pay it to uh, a family member. It could pay it to whoever. For example, if there was $20,000 of dividends paid to the trust, I, as the trustee, could send $18,000 to my partner and I could keep $2,000 or send that to my kids. This might benefit me because those people might have lower tax rates. I just want to make sure that you understand one thing before I get to this. It's obviously a little bit complicated. It's not as much fun as it sounds splitting or sharing income with someone, especially a child. When a child in Australia doesn't earn income, so if they just like sent money, they can be taxed as high as 66%. So make sure you understand the rules and you speak to your accountant before you do anything. Companies. A company is a separate legal entity and it's run by a board of directors or just a sole director. And those directors or the director assume responsibility for running the business in accordance with the company's constitution. Directors can still get in legal trouble if they do something that is negligent or they run the company into the ground, etc. So they're not immune to rules. So don't get any smart ideas about running a dodgy company. A company can have a shareholders agreement if you plan to have more than one shareholder. So your investors know the rules of what they can and can't do with their shares and what they're entitled to. A company conducts at least an annual general meeting for the quote board of directors. Believe me, it's not as scary as it sounds. If you're a sole director, you can just ask your accountant to do the quote minutes and you just say, yes, the company is operating. That is the meeting. A company can open bank accounts, for example, at National Australia Bank or ComBank or wherever. They can take on loans, can buy assets like cars or buildings. And a company needs to do its own tax return. That's important. It needs to do its own tax return. Usually, a company pays tax, GST, and superannuation quarterly to the ATO, but you can pay monthly. 
This is all part of something called BAS, B-A-S or Business Activity Statement. Here's my special note. Companies can be more expensive and complex to set up. An accountant might charge you $2,000, for example. And there are certain tax requirements. However, there are many benefits such as legal separation and the ability to bring on shareholders and investors in your business. But the key point is this, you don't need to decide on a company straight away. Just in summary, a big picture overview of company structures. There is legal separation. The company pays income tax at a flat rate. It files its own tax return. It can be sold so you can sell a company. You really can't sell yourself as a sole trader. A company can take on loans, especially once it's established. You can issue new shares to shareholders to get cash in the door. You can issue dividends from the company's profits, which is the process of sending cash and franking credits back to shareholders. You can uh, A company can cost a bit more to set up and it has a little bit more ongoing admin. It can add a little bit of complexity to your business, but it can also be done at a later time. I'm not telling you all these things to push you towards a company. Definitely not. That's, this is purely in the realm of an accountant or a lawyer who can give you this advice. It's definitely not appropriate for all businesses, including many small or micro-sized businesses. But I just want to broaden your horizon so you can see what's possible because I come across a lot of business owners who don't fully understand the differences. I'll finish this section with one final example. A friend of mine is a successful exercise physiologist with around one dozen clinics. She started her business as a sole trader, just invoicing with an ABN. It was only a couple of years down the track, however, that her accountant said a company structure would begin to make more sense. So she eventually morphed her business from a sole trader one-person band into that company structure. And you can contrast this with me. I started in a company structure from day one because I needed investors to fund my business And I also wanted legal separation because in finance, having legal separation is very important. The summary is this. Ultimately, chances are you don't need to decide on a trust, partnership or company structure straight away. There's a reason 60% of Aussie businesses are sole traders with just an ABN. But the bigger you get, the more employees, assets or income you generate and the riskier your business becomes or could become, the more important it is to determine the best structure. Please consider getting multiple opinions, for example, two accountants or two lawyers, if you plan to build an empire. For a humble small business, side hustle or lifestyle business, a sole trader is probably enough to get you started. At least now you know the risks and benefits involved in all of these structures. If you have any questions for me on this or you um, just want to get a second opinion on something, you can use the, the question, ask a question function on the RASC website so that you'll find it in the menu. It says, ask a question, and they'll take you to an automated form. And from there, you can submit your question. Um, I think that's a really good place to submit any questions that you might have. Or if you're a RASC core member, jump into the RASC membership community and just ask me in there. I jump in there daily so you can ask me a question in there. Um, and there, there are many accountants and uh, lawyers and experts in our community who may also be able to help as well. So go ahead and do that. If you're just starting out, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. You may need to listen to this podcast a couple of times just to make sure you have the right structure. Eventually, everyone becomes a company once they get to a certain size. But uh, in the beginning, you may not necessarily need to do that. It may be overkill for your business. Uh, so just 
take it all in, do some research, speak to your accountants, and if you need to, a lawyer, um, and get that second opinion. In the next episode, I'm going to talk to you about Accounting 101. It's not as boring as it sounds. It's going to be a crash course, and I've even got a workbook for you, so you'll be able to test your own knowledge. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the RASC website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.